welcome to the first episode of PT Lively. Look at you getting all embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> so my name's Tracy. I'm Paul. And that's where we got our name from. Because <laughs> we're quite lively. Um, yeah, a little bit. And sassy. <laughs> and sassy, especially when I'm tired and or drunk. Yes. Well, that's okay. When I'm hangry, I'm kind of like that too. Yeah, but we've only got tea today. Well, so that's good. Because yeah. we have to behave. Well, I think tea is good for a podcast. Uh, some podcasts. Well, <laughs> some, some people need the drink. <laughs> <laughs> Not us. We're good. <laughs> we can do without. Uh, so we are going to talk today about barriers to entry because this is this is our way of breaking into podcasting. Mm. Um, we we do lots of other things in what would typically be called creative fields. Definitely, um, definitely. I'll let Tracy talk about herself. Okay. Well, <laughs> hi again. I'm Tracy. Um, I have just recently started writing my own series of comics. Um, I'm very lucky that I wrote one with Paul and we were able to get that published and brought out at the KCON convention in Kerry, um, just gone there in the summer. Um, and I'm looking to start writing more. You know, I've been doing many other different jobs throughout my 35 years on this planet and this is making me happy, so I'm going to run with that. And I, I come from a kind of prose background, so I hadn't really written comics before this. Um, the first comic that I did, which was in the one the book with Tracy, was actually an illustrated poem, uh, a little book people on a murder spree, because uh, little psychotic twists on things are my speciality. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but we had a gothic artist working on it. We'd been in Stavilo. And it was amazing, and it turned out very Tim Burton-esque. Um, it was something that we kind of had in mind when we were writing the stories as well. Yeah, um, uh, well, to the point where Lisa then went full labyrinth with it. Yeah, she uh, went very labyrinth. Uh, there is a, a hashtag that will be released later, <laughs> <laughs> but we won't say it today. <laughs> if you check out our interview with Geek Garland, you'll hear Tracy say it quite yes. proudly. But um, I am proud. Seb is awesome. <laughs> yeah, Seb, Seb is her house elf. He's... He's a bit of a devil. Um, <laughs> yes, that's that's a nice way of it's putting it. It's a nice it. way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of our big um, intro into the comic uh, kind of public like arena, to be honest. You know, we yeah. um, have worked in and been part of uh, the Geek Mart uh, based in Dublin, which is a monthly meet um, where we have traders who sell everything from comics to memorabilia to fan art everything like that and yeah. that's how we met and became wonderful tea buddies and then, <laughs> and then we just uh, abused each other at different events like the yeah. small press day and Dublin Comic Con last year and yeah. uh, then we, we went down to Kerry together uh, but that was our first it was both were our first comic conventions yeah. to actually be behind the table which was fun um, Tracy has some experience with tattoos. Yes, I do. I I uh, I'm I do a lot of the tattoo circuit. Um, I was helping with a, a tattoo magazine that was run a couple of years back. Um, uh, so I kind of started going to a lot of conventions and meeting people. And realistically, no matter what type of convention you're going to, whether it's tattoos, whether it's comics, whether it's anime, whether it's cosplay, it's all the same. You know, it's just like-minded people getting together and wanting to share experiences. Um, and that's why myself and Paul and another friend of ours, Gareth Luby, um, check out his art on Facebook, by the way. Um, and we've set up this thing called Banter Books. Um, and realistically, what we were looking for was an inclusive community. 
Um, and that's why we wanted to do this podcast so that we could share any information we had um, any insights, stories, knowledge, and then we can move on and help people. Um, so if you were a artist looking for a writer, you could contact us and we could put, point you in the right direction um, or vice versa. Uh, if you're looking for you know, a publisher, a distributor, we're trying to get people on board. Um, and we all just want to work together. You know, I think that's the biggest thing for us. And um, we both know it's like being on the, the customer side of the table, trying to yeah. find artists and writers. And I, I, I start in the comic community with a web documentary. So I was handing people for interviews for an entire summer. I hadn't been to a convention once and I went to five in the space of four months. And, uh, I met a lot of people and then I met even more when I set up Comics Ireland. So I know half the comic community in Ireland at this point and some of them are probably sick of seeing me pop up at things. And <laughs> <laughs> Who but, would ever get sick of looking at but, you, my dear? That's true, I do buy all their books. You, so. do. you, do, you do spend an awful lot of money on small, small press, which makes us all happy. Yeah, I, I filled the backpack with every single small press comic I didn't already own when I went to Dublin Comic Con last year. Yeah. Uh, I was glad to have met several of them over the previous 18 months, otherwise I'd have nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> but in doing so... It, gave you an in to the comic community yeah and you know? it gave me some encouragement because the the irish comic community everyone everyone wants everyone else to make comics yeah. because everyone wants to see everyone's stories and see their art and i'm constantly being asked by the likes of julie nick and anthea west when am i going to start doing comics yeah. um so we started with banter books and then uh saturday at last geek mart it was announced by Button Press that I'm taking over, or at least joining, the writing team of The Wren. Woo! Uh, which is the, it's the longest running Irish small press comic as far as I know. It's uh, fantastic, though. If there's another, someone can correct me and That's then I can it. start reading that. Excellent. But <laughs> from what I know, Jason Brown uh, has been doing that single comic longer than anyone else has been doing a series, uh, which is pretty damn amazing it is and that's what we want you know we want to start making new comics that are going to come out um, and last the test of time you know we don't want just to be one shots though we will be producing things like that yeah we will have Um, one shots but we want to we want to be able to keep writers working yeah and and I think that's it that's why we wanted to do this um, you know getting into cons this is how you start what you're going to do how you're going to move forward what you need to know the do's and don'ts um, and that's what we want to kind of talk about now today is the, the do's and don'ts and con etiquette. Especially, especially <laughs> for first time people. Definitely for first timers. Us newbies, we need to learn. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't have a single book in print. I had many books, didn't have a single book in print until this time last year. Yeah. Uh, so I know exactly what it's like trying to get started. And, all and now this. you're bashing out how many books? <laughs> uh, I've got five prose books, 15 booklets and a comic. Yay! <laughs> Which is insane when I say it out loud. <laughs> it is, but hey, look at you go. This this is what it's about, you know what I mean? Um, I personally only started last year, so I'm, and I'm 35, and I never in a million years thought that I would be doing anything in a written capacity. Um, being dyslexic, um, it was a huge challenge for me to kind of come over that even stigma of saying, oh, well, you can't do it because of this yeah um and a friend of ours uh Stephen, asked me to write a short story to be put in a comic of his and i wrote about a granny and her saving the irish corn beef sandwich which sounds very strange but it worked really well um and then that gave me the kind of push um to start writing other things yeah. um it was also Gareth's first. It was, uh, yeah. Our friend Gareth, he he done it. It was his first sequential art, which is something that's extremely important. And that's something we're going to talk about in depth. 
as well yeah. um, about the con scene. Like, if you want to go and speak to an editor... You, you need sequential art. Yeah, whether you are a writer or an artist, but it is hugely I, I, important. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're yeah. getting excited. We are planning and now we're... Yeah, we're, we're jumping. We're jumping, we're jumping the gun jumping. a bit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, for us, uh, there's a lot of people at conventions mm-hmm. that we would want to work with. Definitely. And the thing that made us start Banter Books was that we were able to... I, coerce but we convinced friends who were interested in working on books to receive back-end payment which isn't something that every artist can afford to do mm-hmm. and that's the the real trick because the writer has to be able to if the writer is the one who wants to produce the book they have to be able to pay the artist in some manner um and that's usually something that stops people being able to start getting into comics because if you can't afford to pay your artist they can't produce it exactly uh, upfront payment is usually the best way to work with an artist unless they can agree to work back end and that's usually when the artist is able to support themselves a bit more and also when artists are starting out as well that's another thing with banter books that we you know we were very lucky that the like um the person that done our lisa who done our comic we knew each other from the geek mart we were friends so we were able to do a comic together um and that's a, another good way of getting in when you're all starting out meet people who are only beginning go to the colleges you know Bally Pharma College is amazing for art students um, I put up a advertisement um, in the college well I, I gave my friend it and she put it in her class and um, I got lots of people responding to me in different stages of their abilities in art um, and you know it means I have a list of people now that I can turn around and go hey I have this idea for this book would you like to do the artwork and when you're starting to somebody to be able to say yes and I will take payment after the book is sold makes a huge difference yeah. but as the writer you need to be prepared to hit the cost of printing the book yourself yeah at the very least the writer should be able to cover the cost of printing yeah. because if the artist has to pay for the printing and then wait to get payment for the book until after it's sold that's a lot of risk on the artist's part hugely yeah. uh, and the writer should also be the one who has to do a lot of the promotion uh, yes. Thankfully, Tracy is amazing at that. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Tr- Tracy, I'm a one woman selling machine. <laughs> Tracy comes from a marketing background, and she she's very good at putting it all to practice. Yeah. Whereas I I have attended a lot of events on blogging and social media, so I know an awful lot about marketing, and I'm not very good at putting it to practice. So <laughs> the, our our trick is to try to teach each other everything we know. Yeah. Um, and push each other in the right direction. I think it's really important that you yeah. can kind of bounce off people too you know it's it's really hard when you're stuck in a situation where you don't know where to go to next yeah um, you definitely need someone there with you which is what we recommend when you're trying to get started in comics don't yeah. try to do it by yourself even if you're not going to work on a book with somebody try start working together mm. uh, so you're both trying to find artists at the same time or someone's trying to find a writer someone's trying to find an artist because you're not necessarily got to have a match with every single person you meet but you can still help each other find somebody else exactly and that's what banter books is going to be doing yeah We've yeah. already had three or four extra artists and writers come up to us. Yeah, um, Saturday was fantastic. As I said, we, we go to a monthly event in Dublin called the Geek Mart and we were um, celebrating the first year of it um, last weekend. And people just seemed to come up to us out of nowhere and be like, hey, you know, I'm an artist and I'm looking for somebody to help me get moving with this. And it was like 
oh my God, I have so many stories that I would love to have a look at your art and you can have a look at my writing and let's see if we mix and, and match. The, I think the big thing with that was we had put something out. We had shown that we were, yeah. we were willing to put the work in to get the book out. Yeah. Um, and we had our we had our artist there to talk about if she wanted to. I don't think anyone went up and bothered Lisa about her book because she was too busy trying to show off some of her amazing Pokemon art. Yes, she did some amazing art. That's another thing though as well. Um, you know, artwork, um, when you're selling your prints and things like that, it's that's not a, enough. You need, if you want to be in the comic community, if you want to be in doing comics, making comics, you, you, you need your sequential to, art. Yeah, yeah. sequential art is, is the most important thing. And it, it's something every writer has to remember as well, because any writer who wants to work in comics has to have a comic to hand to an editor or an agent. And you need to, it in paper. You it, need it that to book. Be, it has to be a, a printed comic with the art included because if the art isn't there all an editor can read is the words of the page and that's not what they're there for they can flick through a comic very easily and see how you imagine a story being panned out across pages but if they're looking at that on a script all they have is black and white lines and it won't hold their attention the same way the art will um and artists at the same at the same time need to have sequential art otherwise an editor can only judge their ability to draw not their ability to tell a story because comics are two sides of that it's but both the writer and the artist have to be able to tell stories. Yeah. I think it's important as well that, you know, it's you get the right artist too. Don't just jump in with the first person that says yes if you don't feel it works for you, whether you are an artist or whether you are a writer. People won't get offended. You know no. what I mean? People are like, okay, that's cool. If, if, you, if you have something else in mind at another time or if you know somebody else looking, um, you know, be confident in what you're doing. Be confident in your work. Um, and don't let it stress you out life is you know more important than a comic but yeah. comics are also amazing if you can get it done yeah um but don't don't stress that's my biggest thing M- Do my, not my stress. tip for, for actually finding an artist is to if you if you like their art style if they have a book out buy the book and see how they draw yeah art because you can't judge somebody's ability to illustrate a book based on their ability to draw your favorite character from a fandom um, yeah so when i look at trina farrell stuff she has prints but she also has a book with her um trina does a lot of coloring work so she she can show off her color work very easily with her prints uh katie fleming and anthea west are both illustrators amazing before work. before their colorists and you can you can get a sense of their style based on their illustrations that they're selling as prints and then they both also have books that you can read and you can see how they work with sequential art yeah. and because then, like, there's a big difference between the sequential stuff and the print stuff yeah it's the same like with Gareth Gareth Luby again that we're mentioning all the time because <laughs> he's our buddy um, he has amazing skills and he's just been picked up by Marvel and you know he has wanted to be in this field for such a long time and you know do the comic work but all he had was prints and then he done the you know the, the Iron Man story with me and now he's working with you on another project and he's working with me on a second project um, and putting out the pages you don't realize as a writer how complicated it is yeah. to lay out panels there, there's a very big difference between putting things down on the page and how the artist will then interpret them yeah because as a writer it's very easy to put down 20 panels on a page because to you it might be 20 lines of dialogue <laughs> and you might or it might be no lines of dialogue you might just think this happens this happens this happens but it's the it's the old 
thing that every artist hates to see on a script the words they fight because then <laughs> then, then there's yeah. a massive choreography going on and the the artist suddenly has two days worth of work for one page when ideally it should be one page per day that is uh, a kind of industry standard rate yeah. for marvel in dc and different different companies work at different speeds that they expect artists to produce things on but if an artist can hit a page a day they're doing well yeah and anything that's overly complicated or not properly written down it makes the artist's life more difficult and we got to learn that the, the fun way um, <laughs> yes we did uh, I, I kind of made Gar's life quite difficult with the script for something that he you think he's been halfway through it um, it's a comic called Meowch uh, Yay, it features Frankie. it features his uh, his character Frankie he created Frankie and he wanted a writer so he asked me uh, because we were friends um, and I, I put down uh, an eight panel page which in my head wasn't that complicated because I could see how it looked in my head but then he still has to draw it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's that's the thing always keep in mind when you're a writer no more than you know five panels in a page if you can get away with that <laughs> five panels can you, you can do an awful lot with it oh god yeah there's so much scope in that and you know you can put detail in it you can have the, the right amount of words but make sure that you're considerate to the person drawing um and have that relationship with them that you can sit down and go no that's not what i seen in my head or oh my god that's completely what i i thought was going to happen um because it is very very important to the artist as well that their artwork is shown in the best light um and if you are not an artist like me i'm not an artist um don't start dictating to people oh no it should look like this exactly, because yeah. artists they've gone to college they've been drawing all their lives they and know what they're doing even if they haven't gone to college once they have some sort of proof that they can draw yeah that's enough um what i found with gareth was before he drew anything i would we just talked through the entire script and then he would sketch down panels of what he thought they would look like and that was a good way for us to get started so especially if it's your first time working with someone talk through the entire script with them before anything gets put down on paper because the moment an artist has pages drawn that's too late for you to change your mind about something yeah yeah and, and, and it's not fair either it's not fair to ask an artist to redraw something because you haven't um expressed it correctly exactly, <laughs> it's a nice yes. way of, of putting it um and you know don't don't be a, a beep uh to people you know you know if it's not what you want say it yeah and say it before it's too late and definitely don't turn around to the artist after something's been printed and said well actually i would have preferred it done this way yeah. because then both of you regret a project exactly and then it's, it's not a project then that you can hand up it's not a project you're going to love it's not a project you're going to want to push yeah. and in the end of the day even if you don't like the artist's work and it's printed you're the one that's left with it as the writer yeah and just caveat this isn't our personal experience we've we, these are stories we've heard from people oh god yeah we, <laughs> we are the two luckiest sods in in ireland at the moment because yeah. we have just walked in and we've all managed, of a sudden we, we've managed to find artists that we're very happy to work <laughs> with and who we're happy to call friends yeah um because I, I was working with gareth on one script and then i was working with jason brown on the ren script and with ren it's trying to figure out the entire what he calls second season of it because now we're moving on to an entirely new storyline and he wants me to figure out some of the extra things that are going to happen. So Jason has ideas of how he wants the book to go because Ren is his character, Ren's yeah. his baby. Um, but now he's trying to pass on the book. Uh, literally, I meant that in like a B-U-C-K sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> he's, pass he's, he's passing on the story as well to somebody else. Uh, so we're coming up with new ideas together. But a lot of it is collaborative work. Comics is a collaborative medium. Yeah. 
Um, so you need to be able to work with your artist properly and artists should be able to work with the writer properly and figure out what way you want scripts written, whether it's the Marvel style of a paragraph of what happens on the page or have everything perfectly dictated down to panels and give the artist freedom of control over whether or not they remove or add something. Yeah. Um, usually uh, uh, experienced artists will know when they need to add or remove something because they'll have worked on the scripts. But in the beginning, you need to really talk things through. Definitely. And I think it, it depends on your writing style, how you draw down your script. Um, me personally, I am a panel writer. I like to write my things out in panels um, because I've read comics all my life. And that's how I see it when I'm writing my own. Um, so just go with your own experience. That's our kind of biggest yeah. thing. But make sure your artist knows what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so getting into the cons. <laughs> getting, getting into the conventions. So we'll, we'll start from the, the very, very basics uh, because we've been doing the, mark, the Geek Mart since May 2016. So we, yeah. we have a year of that behind us um, and we've seen, we've seen people make mistakes before the market opens and then we have them fix it and it helps. Uh, that's actually how myself and Tracy met. My, bo- <laughs> my books were literally stacked in two piles on the table and then she showed up and taught me how to display them correctly and it makes all the difference because that sort of stuff, it's 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 basic, but it, it makes... It's like it, anything. You go into a shop and something's displayed correctly. You go and look at a nice jewellery stand, a nice chocolate stand, a nice whatever stand. Um, and then you go into an, another shop and everything's just piled up. You're going to buy what you can see. Yeah. Um, you're not you're at least going to pick it up. And that's that's the first step in the right direction. And that's especially, a great marketing thing. Especially for books. because yeah. But books and comics, if you can't pick it up and have a look at it, it's not going to sell. No. Because unless somebody knows that you're releasing a new book and they want to buy your book before they've even seen it, they have to they have to be able to essentially receive your pitch. And if they can't pick up the book and have a look at it and if they're not drawn to this to the table, then you're you're losing a customer before they've even met you. Yeah. That's that's a huge thing to, to keep in mind. Always know how to self promote. Yeah. Which is a thing Irish people are very bad at. Yeah, um, some are. Not everybody. <laughs> there, there, are, there are some who are great at it. JP Jordan is great at it. Uh, he works in the Big Bang. And JP is an expert at promoting books. When he was working on Project Crossroads, Crossroads. with uh, Sean Hogan, he did practically all of the promotion before Sean got a chance to. And he was even asking to share images before Sean had finished them, before they were even coloured. And Sean was the same. He wanted to share some stuff, but... Uh, JP was excellent promoting that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then when it comes to Sean, he sometimes forgets how to pitch his own books because he, between conventions, he wouldn't have too many opportunities. And that's something that's important for a convention. If you are not a very confident, outgoing person, which a lot of us are, um, and a lot of us are not, um, if you have a friend you can bring to your convention, now obviously they pay to get in, um, and they're confident at selling. They're, you know, if you have, everybody has a friend from retail, you know, um, bring them with you. Yeah. Um, and as an artist I think that's even more important um, yeah. when you're at a convention and you are trying to draw commissions or whatever it is that you're doing on the day and then all of a sudden you have a line of people wanting to speak to you wanting to ask about your prints wanting to ask how much things are even though you have everything signposted and displayed with the big stars saying five euros a print and you know whatever it may be if you have somebody with you who can take that side of things away and let you work um, people are more impressed looking at an artist draw than speaking to them. Yeah. So by having somebody there able to sell your product, um, get more commissions in for you, be able to promote you, um, or 
if you're not an artist and if you're a, a, you know a writer who has a, a comic out and again you're not the most outgoing bring that retail person with you who will talk and call people over who will integrate with people quite nicely and and they you know, can teach you how they do it exactly and you learn the more you sit with somebody who's chatty the more you think oh god i gotta be like that well, on that point standing at conventions is better than sitting yes definitely stand uh, if you're obviously if you're doing commissions and you're an artist you should be sitting because it's quite difficult to draw well while still standing over a table that's three foot off the ground but uh if you're if you're a writer or if you're not doing commissions i would stand for pretty much the entire day if you can sit down while you're eating Sit down if you if your feet get sore, but wear comfortable shoes because you're yeah. just, you should be on your feet all day. It's the best way to connect people. Definitely, uh, especially at a busy convention. And eye contact. People yes. forget that you can make eye contact with people and call them over. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do. And it, like everybody looks at me strangely, but you know if somebody comes past me and they you know you get a little nod, I'm like, hey, come over, don't be a stranger, have a look. Here, pick this up. This is what this is. Um, and just that simple thing of calling somebody over. But you may not have come to your stall in the first place. In a friendly way, of course. Obviously, yeah. you're not yeah. going to be aggressive about it. That's, yeah. that's there a are, big there are, no-no. There are people who can be aggressive about it. And there's other people who will try to sell you stuff. Well, not sell you stuff. Try to get you to hand me to charity in the middle of a Connell Street. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because they have to. Um, but if you, if you can call people over in a way where they're almost about to go over to you, and you can be friendly about it, then it'll pay off. Even if you're, even if they only come over and chat for a couple of minutes. But then you never know who these people are either. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was, we were at KCON, as we said, and um, I was chatting to two young girls. Um, this is another thing we'll be talking about later on. Is about age and you know, never too old, never too young. But I met an amazing artist um, who's seventeen, Trisha, um, and she's in Kilkenny, and I'm working with her now at the moment. Um, but she didn't know anybody to, you know, she she had printed, written, lettered um, and coloured her own comic, but there was nowhere for her to sell it. Um, and she's an amazing artist, yeah. but she wouldn't have um, started working on my comic and I wouldn't be knowing her if we hadn't have just spoken and called her over to talk to us at the table. And then we met Chloe, who is just another amazing young woman um, who's 11 and has her own book out <laughs> and it's like and she worked with Enable in that book because Chloe herself has a disability so she wrote yeah. a comic about a fairy with a disability yeah it's and amazing for for Enable that was a great way of them being able to show that the support they give people is also returned to them and that there yeah. there is a community of people who are there to support each other which is it's very similar to the comic community everyone supports each other that's yeah that's the, the whole idea you know it's amazing Okay, so now we are going to sit down and talk about the do's and don'ts of comic of going to comic cons, going to events. What you should bring, what you shouldn't bring, um, especially as a first time trader. Especially as a first time trader. <laughs> the thing everyone forgets is a float. Yeah. Um, you should think about your price points for this one. Yeah. Um, so I have books that they go for eight or two for fifteen. So if I only bring fivers or only bring two euro coins. I can't give change in one of those circumstances. So you should always be able to give money back based on what you're selling. If you have something that's one euro, two euro, five, eight, fifteen, or up, you need to be able to work out the change so that if someone gives you a fifty, first thing in the morning, you should be able to give them change and still yeah. have enough left for the customers. If someone gives you a twenty for something that costs a euro, you should have enough money in your box side of the day to hand something back, and you should put money into an actual. Lockboxes. Lockboxes are amazing. Um, you know, it's important to the float is so important um, that you keep track. 
you know, when you start and have your flow, make sure you have a piece of paper written going, today's flow, 55 euros, 70 euros, 10 euros, whatever your flow is for that day. And that stays in the box. So then when you're calculating your funds at the end of the day, you will know to take the flow out to see where your profit margin is. Um, that leads on to having your spreadsheet. Yes. This is really, really important for first time um, goers. Have a piece of paper that you've handwritten, have something that you've printed out, whatever it is, whatever your way of doing it is, but the names of your books um, and how many books you have. And each book should have an individual column so that when you sell one, you just tick it off. So that at the end of the day, you can see how much you've sold and is that the same as what you have on your spreadsheet? Because, you know, it's horrible to say, but sometimes people take things off tables and yeah. don't pay for it. Especially um, at a weekend convention after the doors have closed and you've left. Yeah. You never know who's still lingering around and might take something off the table. Yeah. Now, that doesn't happen very often, but it is something you have to be prepared for as a first-time goer. Yeah. Um, not even a first-time goer, an any-time goer, yeah. really. Uh, but, but for a first-time, you mightn't be aware that it can happen. Yeah. Um, and having a digital spreadsheet is useful because you can print it off for every event you need and you can yeah. update it very easily. Um, I even use a spreadsheet for my float, so I have the actual denominations of everything that's in the box. But I think that's a bit before. excessive, honey. Yeah, but it's before and after, and it means when I'm tired after an event, I can enter exactly what's in the box, <laughs> and it can, it'll calculate everything for me. Yeah, but that's because you've done your, your it's Excel. Because it's because I'm a freak with Excel. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have a bit of a, a, a love for Excel. You don't have to do that, people. No, don't worry. You can't just is, count it. This is just you know him being his little OCD head, which we love. Because, you know, it keeps us in the right spot too. <laughs> Especially after selling your comics and turning around going, okay, there's the money. Put it in the, put it in the, the, the spreadsheet because, you know, we can't take anything out of it yet until we sell more and yeah. we, cover our we, printer costs. And <laughs> because we printed the book together, one of us is keeping track of the money and that's me this time. Uh, Tracy would keep track of the money for her book whenever she prints yes it. of course um but then it's just it's easier for us if one person's keeping an eye on the money rather than having one person say well i have this or and, and the other one saying oh i have this but we don't know if they actually have the correct change yeah um so i just i just keep track of how many we sell and then I put the money aside at the end of the day yeah uh, and that happens as well like if you are working if you, you have done a collaboration so say two of you has written a story and somebody else is you know um done the artwork and both of you are selling it at different conventions designate one person to be the one who looks after the cash yeah no matter what um it is very important because it can it's so easy to forget yeah. um and not mark down and that's why the spreadsheets are really really important yeah you can keep track of everything yeah much easier than if you're trying to remember because it's so easy to forget that you've made a sale yeah <laughs> no matter how busy or quiet the day is you, you'll forget if, if you've marked something down for a person you remember their face but you, you, you could forget a person completely. Yeah, I mean. happens all the time. <laughs> um, so the other thing then, we I have a list. Because of course he has a list. Uh, bags and Polly Pockets are yes. extraordinarily important. So when you're selling something, if you can't put, especially with prints, if you can't put a print into a Polly Pocket when you're handing it to a customer, there's a very good chance that print will get destroyed on them before they get home. Yeah, and it happens so quickly, you don't realise, you know, people put shove things into their into their bags and their backpacks and yeah or if they don't even have a bag and then they're holding this thing um and a piece of paper in irish weather 
it doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> and then, like, we had, I'll give you a it's a gross example, but it's an example nonetheless. On Saturday, Garrett sold a, a, a lovely commission piece to one of our friends, and he put it in a Polly Pocket, and she went outside to the cash machine, and the Polly Pocket wasn't a full one. It was one of the ones that are open on the side, and it flipped open, and a bird pooed on it. Oh, no. Yeah, Chelsea's one. Oh, yeah. So, she had to come back in and get another Polly Pocket. So, I would suggest getting the full um double-sided just, just uh, the standard one that just normal that poly pockets yeah um for your prints um because it is important you don't want your your people to go home and then go oh god i can't put this on my wall now because you know it's torn or ripped and then with your comics you know you can put your comics in poly pockets as well you know yeah. you don't have to go and buy brown paper bags if you can that's great you know yeah. you've got the money for it and there's lots of companies out there that do them um at selected prices but and i use um, uh plastic ziploc bags for my books yeah, and I, I got ones that are big enough so I can fit four books into them. Yeah. Um, so off to off to the supermarket you go and get yep. the giant Ziploc bags. Or, or an art shop because art shops also sell them. I got mine in Evans. Yeah. Uh, and they're 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 pretty cheap because you buy them in the hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that would work. Once, once you buy things in bulk, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> go bulk. <laughs> uh, and then you basically take care of yourself on the day. Yeah, it's hugely important. Um, you know, you want to keep hydrated. That's it. You're going to be talking all day long you should be talking all day yeah long. but you will be no yeah. matter if a con is busy or not you're going to be speaking to the people on either side of you yeah. you're going to be talking to the people behind you somebody is bound to come up that you know um you know you're going to be talking to the like the event organizers you're going to be talking to the helpers that are there to you know do you want a cup of tea you're like yes i do um make sure that you have what bottled water with you it's really really important um you need to make sure that you have your food um because not every event supplies us no um and that's something that people forget you know and if you're there on your own you can't leave your table and no. go and get lunch you know you can't stick a little sticker up and go back in 20 um it's just so, not some working. people do but if you're away for 20 minutes or at least 20 minutes that's 20 minutes that you're not at your table to make a sale exactly and you um, don't know who's going to pass and the thing with conventions is they cost money to trade out you can't just walk in and put your stuff on a table you have you, usually you're paying money way in advance and if you're trading an account that you don't live in or a country you don't live in then you also have to pay for accommodation and usually travel so you have to count up all those costs and if yeah. you're if you're missing for 20 minutes of the day it could be your 20 busiest minutes and you don't, you don't even realize it yeah it's so easy to miss out um because of oh i'm hungry i'm gonna go out and do this <laughs> you know it really really is so having something with you and you have to remember most conventions are very very long days like the, the monthly one we run in the, the Geek Mart, I'm saying we, but it's Paul, um, but I'm, I'm going to include myself because I feel better that way. Um, we run that from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Now, that's not a very long day compared to other conventions. When we were at KCON, we were setting up at 9 o'clock in the morning and we didn't finish up until... Finishing at 6, but you don't get out of there until about, about half seven, 6. Well, it was nearer 7 o'clock when we were getting out that time, you know? And I then, think it was on Saturday, yeah. Yeah, on the Saturday. And that goes... With, I've, I've been to other conventions, which like anime conventions, and it was the same thing. You're setting up. You need to be there for 10. You need to be set up and ready. And then you're there for the entire day. Um, And you don't always get out on time. And then sometimes they leave the doors open for you know more people to come in just because they didn't make it because they were at some kind of panel or yeah. whatever so you have to be prepared to be there for the day it helps to have somebody who can come in and sell your stock for you yes um so in my case the person also has to know what the books are about i can't mm -hmm. just have a random friend come in and sit behind the table if they've never read the books exactly uh because 
at the end of the day, if you don't have what's known as an elevator pitch for everything on your table, then it's very difficult to tell someone passing by your table what it's about. It's like, hey, pick this up because my friend wrote it. Yeah. Or, hey, this book is about, you know, whatever your your story is. It's telling it with the passion of how much you love it. Someone's going to go, oh, yeah, I want to read that. Yeah, and it it should take you less than 30 seconds to tell someone what your entire book is about. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're going on for two minutes telling them about a book, they could have read the entire thing by then. Yeah. Especially comics if someone comes like through it. And then they'll see the entire story. Uh, so you want to be able to summarise what something is about. But as a pitch, you would only, you, you're trying to sell something, but you don't want to sound salesy. So yeah. You, you, you're, Just be honest. I think for me, yeah. with sales, and it's something that I've learned over the years, you know, if you love something, you're going to talk about it much better than something that you're just blasé about. Yeah. And your comic is, should be something you love. Your art should be something you love. And by talking about it in that way, like you were just telling people about it rather than trying to sell it, makes a huge difference. It become, You know, you come off genuine. You don't come off like you're just some random person looking to get money. Yeah. You know, you don't want people to feel like you are just there for the sales pitch. You want them to believe that, right, this is your passion, this is your love. Because then they'll want to read more. They'll want to say, what else has this person written? Can I find any more of their work? And that's when you start getting a fan base. And that's actually happened to me before. At yeah. Adam Market wasn't the game where it was a separate one. Someone liked the idea of one book, so he bought all three in the series. Yeah. And it's... it's well, it, but Ballery Born is a really good series of books. <laughs> it's like, I, um, I was recovering from uh, spinal surgery last year and Paul was gracious enough to send them to me uh, for something to read and it was so good so yay go you yay. <laughs> mutual appreciation society <laughs> so the do nots the do nots uh, I think we, we've already covered our, our first do not and it's, artists shouldn't take commissions if they're by themselves and if they're going to be aware that people will come up and interrupt you so if, if you're going to take four commissions in a day which is the most that prof- a lot of professionals take they'll take four in a day and that's assuming they get them at the start of the day, yeah. not halfway through, uh, because they know they can finish those four in a day. But if you if you take ten commissions in a day and you're also the only one at your table, you have yeah. to basically tell people that you can't talk to them, which means you're either not going to get more commissions or you won't be able to sell prints. That's it. And it's, it's hard, you know what I mean, because you want to talk to people who walk up to your table too. Um, yeah. But you need to realise, as an artist, this is how you're making your money. Yeah. Um, and that's the hardest part, I think, for artists, that they have to keep their head down. Um, but the four commissions is the most important thing you need to learn um, and after two o'clock at a convention three out of the most do not take another commission no. it's just it unless will you, not happen unless, unless you're going to post it unless you have no more commissions to do yeah and the person is aware that they need to hang around for at least an hour yeah because depending how long it takes you to draw even if it takes you half an hour to draw something if someone comes up and talks to you for half an hour as well yeah. and that to, happens sure. so, yeah. so easily you know yeah all of a sudden, you've lost an hour of your time because you've been sitting talking to somebody about your favorite comic. In, in Kerry, <laughs> Gareth Louis was lucky because Tracy was beside him. So yeah. Tra- Tracy did all the sales work for Gareth while Gareth did the art. And she even managed to get postal orders for him. So he was able to do work after the event that yeah. was based on his work at KCON. So he did better at KCON than he would have if he hadn't been working with somebody and if she hadn't been arranging postal orders for him. Yeah. Uh, but it is something you have to take into consideration as well. Do you have time to do all the commissions? Yeah. yeah but especially like if you're a student or if you're a full-time like worker and this is something you're doing on the side to get into it, 
you need to make sure you have your designated time. You yeah. need to make sure that you can actually do this. And, and postal orders are great because you give people a two-week window. You say, okay, I've taken your order. It'll be with you in the next two weeks. That's when you have to manage your time correctly. Yeah. And, you know, that's obviously post-con stuff. But, you know, that's that's important too. And con buddies. Con buddies. You con, always need buddies. con buddies. Whether you're behind the table or you're one of the attendees, you should always be there with somebody. Yeah, you should know somebody at the convention. At least one person. Whether it's a con buddy that you know from going to cons or whether it is one of your full-time friends, if that's what you want to call them. Um, you know, it is important. Um I know a lot of people will have read in the papers recently about a convention and, and something that happened at that. So we thought it was quite important to just make sure that you do know who you're going with, where you're going. Make sure that people know where you are. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's very important because at these conventions, you can get lost. You know, it's how many people go to DCC every year, you know? Like they had 20,000 people last week. 20,000 people. You'd get lost in that sea, you yeah. know? KCON, there was 3,000 people through the door on the Saturday alone. You know, and it's on two floors in a big space that, you know, isn't as big because we've got all these traders around. Yeah. So take care. And if you know a vendor and you feel like you can trust them, if you feel like you're unsafe around someone else, say, can you come back behind their table if you get overwhelmed? Because after the news came out about what happened a couple of years ago, a lot of Irish comic book creators have said, my table is a safe space. Yeah. You can come back and myself and Tracy would say the same thing. Exactly. It's a safe space. And if, I'm, if I would, Garrett would say the same thing yeah. and other friends of ours, you know, anybody from the Geek Mart that you may have met or not met um, in the future, you may meet them. Um, we are all here to keep people safe. Yeah. That is what we do. We are a community. We are friends. And that it's hugely important in this scene. That's why, again, going back to the banter books, we want to make an integrated community. We want people to know that they can come and be with friends to yeah. be safe and to be able to create in that space. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I think that that is our, that was our one big point you wanted to hit upon because it affects the people behind the tables and the attendees. And yeah. the attendees also have to make sure they're you know eating and drinking throughout a convention because it's very easy when you're surrounded by 19, 20,000 people to forget to get a glass of water or forget to eat, especially if you're cooking up for a panel or yeah. a signing or a photo shoot. And, and you can queue in those panels, like you can queue for a signing, anything up to an hour, sometimes more. Yeah. And then remember, the morning you're going, on the first morning of your big convention, there is going to be a queue outside. Yes. It can take anything up to an hour to get into whatever convention you're going to. Especially, hopefully that is all it will take, because if they're run correctly, then that's all it will do. Um but you need to make sure you're okay. Make sure you have your combo. You make sure that you're hydrated. Make sure that you've brought something to eat with you. And um, if you're in a costume, make sure you can eat or drink in it. And yes. if you can't, find somewhere you can sit down to take either the headpiece off or the whole thing off. Yeah. Because you'll get very warm, you'll get hungry, you'll get thirsty. And yeah. it doesn't really work. Yeah, cosplayers especially, you know, especially if you're new to cosplay as well. Yeah. Yeah, you can have a tendency to, you know, go over the top on your first real cosplay at your first big con. Make sure that you're there is accessible stuff, and bring a spare set of clothes with you because if you're there during the day, and you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel you know whatever reason it is, you have the ability to change. Yeah, it's better to change at the convention than to leave and to try to come back because if you leave, yeah. you mightn't come back at all, uh, and then that brings your it brings your day on you. Yeah, um, it's it's easier to bring something with you in a backpack, even if it's a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other point we have then, make sure you're friendly to the staff. 
Oh God, yes. <laughs> we don't want to please, forget the staff. Please, <laughs> please, please, please. There is nothing worse than being agitated at a doorman because he's not working fast enough. It's nothing worse than being agitated at a volunteer because most of the most staff, of the staff yeah. there are doing it for nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, don't we, let your frustrations overwhelm you to the point that you're making other people unhappy. Um, they are there to help you. They are there to make the day more enjoyable, to flow easier. And to make um, your health and safety. Exactly. Safety. And then to vendors. Please, please, please don't go and bother vendors at a huge rate. There's sometimes people can come along to these vendors and they're like picking everything up and they're not putting things back in the right positioning and they're purposely doing it. And you're like, don't be a dick, dude. (laughs) One thing I learned by uh, talking to other vendors whenever I was just a customer, if somebody comes along to look at their stock, Try stand to the side if you still want to continue a conversation and wait for them to be done talking to the other person because Definitely. you don't want to block someone's sale. Um, and this is like, it's something that I picked up very quickly because I worked in retail for eight years as well. So I know what it's like when there's customers just standing in the way. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can talk to the, you can talk to the writers, you can talk to the artists, but be aware of the other people around them because you want to make sure that you're not hindering them. Yeah. Be, just be aware of your surroundings. If there's somebody else saying, oh, excuse me, I want to have a look at this, step out of the way. You know, it doesn't matter if you're mid-conversation because you'll just say, oh, I'll, I'll come back to you. The vendors are there all day. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, they're pretty much <laughs> stuck behind their table until so, 6 o'clock. So, you know, it's fine to, to step away and come back and just, just be mindful of your situation. Be careful of where you're you know where you're standing um you know some of the conventions the movement the rooms the the, the separation it's not big enough for people to get by yeah and especially people with disabilities um that's something i just yeah. want to go on quickly personally i have to walk with a stick um and it can be difficult when you're standing in a crowd of people um who are not paying attention uh to get from a to b so just really be aware, um, especially in the larger conventions, because they have disabled access, there are going to be people in wheelchairs. You're going to see cosplayers who have sticks with them, who have, you know, whatever it is that they've integrated their walking implement so that they can be there. Just be aware of anybody that's around you because it is important, especially at big conventions. Yeah, it's very easy to accidentally trip someone over, especially yeah. if your cosplay is is massive. Yeah. But <laughs> even if you're just stepping back from a table, you might accidentally bump into someone. Yeah. They mightn't be disabled, but if they're smaller than you, yeah. you might knock them over. And in a crowd, that's that's an issue. And there are a lot of little people yeah. going around. You know, parents and aunties and uncles are so excited now. And because there is so much out there for the younger generation, um, that's something we'll talk about on another podcast. Um, you know, all the, the new cartoons and, and things that are getting children interested yeah. um, into it. And, you know... There are going to be a lot of kids running around, and they will run around because they're kids. Yes, yeah, what they do, they run around at mass. For God's sake, yeah, <laughs> mass. Was <laughs> that a christening? <laughs> My God, it, yeah, it's, worse it's, than it's, a convention for children running everywhere. <laughs> so just be aware. That's that's the last kind of thing that we want to say about you know being at a convention. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this. Yeah. We, we hope to be back. <laughs> yes, please. Um, it was really nice, you know, just having our first podcast and talking about something that's quite important to us yeah, as well. Yeah, because this is us trying to 
we're, we're trying to get through the, the barrier of entry of getting into podcasting. It can be it can be weird because you've, if you've never done it before. So yeah. we're talking into a microphone that has been used once. Sitting and, in my uh, kitchen. S- sitting in Tracy's kitchen. But it's okay. We have tea and we've got like chocolate bars, which well, are really good. We had tea. Well, you know, we've been talking for a while. So, you know, what? I will boil the kettle, but that will come up on the mic. So nobody wants to hear that. No. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, I'm Paul. I'm Tracy. And we are PT Live. PT Lively is recorded and produced by Paul Carroll and Tracy Sayers. Music by Steve Jackson. 